0: Welcome to another episode of the Acts 29 Podcast, a resource for planting churches worldwide. And I'm your host, Jeff Metters, the Director of Assessment for Acts 29. Well, on today's show, we want to talk about church membership, which we've done before. We've talked about church membership before with Mario Manvel, which I would tell you, go check out that episode. It was so encouraging, so helpful to think about church membership in hard places all around the world there with Mario. And today, we want to talk about church membership in rural churches. And so Caleb Drehosh joins me on the show today where Caleb and his wife, Rebecca, they've been married for nearly 15 years and have six kids. They live in Jamestown, North Dakota. I was doing a uh, North Dakota accident, uh, accident, and it was an accident b- before the show, and it wasn't very good, and I'm not going to do it anymore. But Caleb and his wife planted Buffalo City Church in 2015. He's got a master's from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, my alma mater as well. Caleb, welcome to the show, brother, and I apologize for my horrible North Dakota accident. <laughs> I no,
1: that's great. I keep saying accident. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, would, it might have been accidental. It was good though. I think it was. I, I gave you an eight out yeah. of 10 pre-show.
0: Oh man. Thank you. I, I, uh, I received that blessing and I'm going to work on it Yeah, and maybe if I see you at a conference or something, I'll, I'll have perfected my, my North Dakota accent.
1: Uh, <laughs> That's right.
0: Good. Well, well Caleb, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your church and your history with Acts 29. It's, it's great to meet you brother. And so I'm sure others would be, uh, would love to hear more about you as well.
1: Yeah. Thank again. Thanks so much for having me. I think this is great. Um, yeah, so I grew up in the upper Midwest here in Minnesota, Twin Cities area. Um lived there for the first 18 years of my life, went to college at North Dakota State University uh in Fargo, North Dakota. Met my wife there. Um during college is when, that's when I became a Christian. Um faithful men and women investing in me there, uh sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with me. Uh that that was uh um, a really formative time in my life. And I think that during college, like post conversion, was really when I started to love the local church. Uh, and I know in Acts 29, say, like, as God's plan A, there is that for taking the gospel to the world. Um, and I had the opportunity to intern in a small Baptist church. And when I graduated from college, when my wife graduated from college, we decided to go to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary to pursue a uh a master's there uh didn't really know what was next uh church planning was a little on the radar i had some friends who had planted churches but um wasn't quite sure how or when or where and uh and the lord sort of directed our time at the end of uh, towards the end of seminary started out like a ball of fire got through the first half of my my mdiv in a year and a half and then slowed way down, probably mostly for financial reasons. But yeah, uh, yeah. and then, uh, and then slowed down and stretched it out over uh, close to five years, I think (laughs) it was after, after it was all said and done. So uh, graduated there and started talking about church planning with a handful of people. There were a handful of places that we were thinking about going um, for better or for worse, we wound up parachute planting here, uh, tied to uh, loosely tied to a, a denomination that didn't really pan out for us over the course of time, uh, and we were kind of alone. Uh, it wasn't exactly the the way that I would coach anyone to plant a church, um, but the Lord was kind, and we we're here and it's been nearly eight years since we've been in Jamestown and things have gone, gone really well. And in some instances or something, sometimes I'd say probably in spite of me, but, um, mm. actually probably mostly in spite, spite of me. So, uh, we, a, a little bit of a, an interesting part of our story is that we actually planted with my in-laws, my father-in-law okay. is our, our worship pastor. And, uh, and they came along with us. We had a period of time. It was actually like really, really good. It's been a really helpful component. He's been in ministry for the majority of his adult life. And uh, having him here uh, has been has been wonderful, not only for the family dynamic, but also just because um, he has insight. He serves on our elder team um, along with a couple of other guys, which has been great. Uh, okay. So history with, with X-29 as well. Um, we, we planted not with X-29. Uh, we joined X-29 in 2019. I had to go back and look at the email, like, Hey, welcome. Uh, the welcome yeah, email yeah. is X-29. It was April 16th of, of 2019. So okay. I think we, we went through the assessment process early 2018, which was a wild time too. Uh, we, we found out that week that we were pregnant with twins.
0: Oh, wow. Uh,
1: yeah. And so, and then I had like a serious allergic reaction at assessment and somehow, somehow got a green light after, <laughs> after with some condition. So it was a, it was a certainly a, a wild ride through the assessment process, but man, I'm so grateful for the assessment mm. process with X29 and even the, the friendships with a handful of guys that were there, And, uh, and some of the assessors too, I mean, this is why we're here, uh, with Acts 29 is because of the camaraderie, uh, across the the board with, with guys. Uh, it's been really, really great and afforded us like a ton of connections. So, um, but the, so, so we've been an Acts 29 church now going on, I guess it's been four years. Mm -hmm. Um, the church as well, uh, sort of right in that time when we were welcomed into the network, we were going through a merger with First Baptist Church of Jamestown, uh, a small church here that has a substantial history. It's one of the first churches in Jamestown. Um, it was planted in 1884, which is the first year Jamestown was actually a, a, a location, a place. Wow. So, uh, so we merged with them, which has been another really incredible blessing to me uh, and then to our congregation as well. Because we were able to bring in like a handful of really seasoned folks, um, really faithful church members over the years. Um, And that's been a that's been a great joy and a huge, significant part of our our church planning uh, story as well. Um, And I love that. I love that. It's
0: good. That's so yeah. great. It's, a, it's always fun to hear how guys make it in, how the mm-hmm. Lord, you know, leading the plant and the ministry and all that stuff, and how they make it into Acts 29 is just always so encouraging. Now, when we talk about rule, I think mm-hmm. some guys, you know, there's all kinds of different ways to define rule. And that sometimes is even difficult to go, well, what exactly is rule? So, so when we yeah. think about Jamestown, North Dakota, how rule are we talking here? G- give us a quick snapshot of what is it like in, in Jamestown? Do you have a Chick-fil-A? Yeah.
1: Oh no, no, <laughs> no! We don't have <laughs> a Chick Fil A. Uh, the the nearest Chick Fil A's are a hundred miles in either either direction. So um, we, uh, J- Jamestown isn't tiny. Now, when I say not tiny, I'd, I mean by North Dakota standards, uh, Jamestown's about fifteen thousand people. Uh, what makes Jamestown rural is the fact that we're a hundred miles away from any other population center. Um, mm. You have to go. West on 94 to Bismarck, the capital, and you have to go East on 94, uh, to Fargo on the Minnesota border. And the, I mean, a hundred miles either direction and then North and South, there's a handful of things, but outside of one there, there, there is not another town over 10,000 people on any of those stretches. So uh as you can imagine that's that's kind of the isolating factor for us and we're sort of the draw right we intersect between on 94 and highway 281 and people come from north and south and east and west to do their walmart grocery pickups here um there isn't anything else either any either direction so uh, that, that's the, that's what makes it rural. I know sometimes I talk to other guys, like in the rural collective and, uh, their, their townships are much smaller, uh, but they're much closer to larger, larger places. Um, mostly our town is blue collar. Um, agriculture obviously is a huge part of where we live. Um, and a lot of our people drive in from significant distances on Sunday mornings or for community groups to be part of, to be part of the church, uh, 40, 50 miles in some instances. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of what situates us in a rural context. A lot of people here too. They're not, they grew up in a much smaller town. Um, young man I'm discipling, um, you know, graduated with seven people, right? Like. And then they move to Jamestown either for college or for uh, work. And uh, that's most people's experience. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that, okay, that connects perfectly to what the follow-up question here is. So what are some of the unique challenges that church planners and pastors face in a rural context uh, that's similar to something like Jamestown?
1: Uh, yeah, that, that's a that I, I'm not sure. Like my experience is so, so tied here. (laughs) I would assume that some of these things based on some of the conversations I've had with other guys in rural contexts that these things are relatively universal. But I think, I think for us, one of the primary challenges that we face is that sometimes new is synonymous with bad. Um, they, (laughs) you see something new come to town and you're immediately skeptical of it. Uh, mm. as you am know, like I said, I'm from the upper Midwest, but I'm from much larger contexts. I feel like even in the last year, maybe two, we've kind of gotten over that hump a little bit where the okay. new equals bad. Now we're sort of into a, a season where people have, Oh, this is here. It's not just a flash in the pan. They're not just here to, to get our money and to, I don't know what, but, there's oftentimes a mentality that that new things aren't here to stay they're just here to to mooch off us or something we came in took the first maybe close to six months just getting to know the community working in the community um, not not by any means making any demands on it uh, and uh, and and I think that that to, to, I think that sometimes guys in who are like, I'm going to go plant in a rural place and then expect uh, it to look like it's all going to come together pretty quickly. It's, it's a, it's much slower. It It's a much slower process from again, my experience uh, because you have to circumvent or uh, maybe not circumvent, but at least address in some ways that new equals bad mindset that exists. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's really interesting. And I I think that's something that probably guys in suburbs and um, urban centers stuff that we don't have to really think about or or concern themselves with because things are always changing and people are very Mm. mobile and uh, people come in and out. New people move like, you know, I'm in Houston. People, I think it's like a thousand or two thousand people move to Houston, the greater Houston area just about every week. And yeah. so there's always something new, uh, new businesses, development, all that stuff always popping up. And so this also connects, I think, to what we want to talk about in the uh-huh. next you know, couple of minutes together is about church membership. Yeah. And so how do, how is church membership different in a rural setting? And then what I want to really try to thread, Caleb, is how can suburbs and urban places, um, how can we learn from maybe some of the ways you guys do church membership, and maybe things better that we could learn and how it speaks, speaks to all these other contexts. So, so what, so what it makes it different church membership in a, in a rural setting.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Um, in our context in particular, and I think this is probably again, true, at least in the United States where we, uh, people in rural contexts have some experience with, with church uh, for sure in the upper Midwest and probably in the South quite a bit as well, where you, <laughs> where people are thinking something when you say church to them, either now our, our contacts, one of the reasons we chose to plant here was because of the large dechurched population. And I just, I mean, I probably define this most different or differently than most of our community would, but there are a lot of people who, you know, grandma took me to church or we sort of went to church or, but I don't, I'm not really active. I, I often say that if you stop anyone on the street in Jamestown, if you're walking downtown and say, what church do you go to? They would have an answer right away. Um, But then if you ask them how involved or how often they attend, it would be once or twice a year, or I'm really not. Yeah. Uh, so. That, that immediately creates some challenges because everybody has uh, a maybe not a different, but at least some kind of thing that comes to mind. Uh, growing up in larger context, right? I'd, I had friends and uh, classmates or um, co-workers who had literally no context for church. they like, my parents never took me. I'd never been part of a church. I have no idea what happens when you walk through the doors at a church. Uh, and, and that just doesn't happen in in rural North Dakota, everybody has some kind of categories for church. And so what that means is that oftentimes people have, well, and okay, so two dynamics here. The first would be that oftentimes people have a, an understanding of, of what church is and therefore have some understanding of what church, what it means to be active or part of, or a member of a church. Mm -hmm. So there's one, one component there. And the second is that, uh, in rural settings, everybody, well, maybe there's three things here, the rural settings, everybody knows everybody. So everybody knows what church you, you go to, um, if you are active at the church. And then the third thing I think would just would be that the, uh, that membership is a blanket term used for involvement in social organizations. Uh, which are a big part of rural communities. Uh, a lot of people are involved in, say, Kiwanis or Lions Club or Elks or whatever. Uh, those are big and important gathering places in our community, where people are very active. And usually, if you're if you have a good reputation, you're involved in something like that. And so they have a view of membership that doesn't exactly line, align with like a biblical view of membership uh, in that you sort of pay your dues and you show up to the meetings and you kind of voice your concerns or um, get together for a social hour or uh, a service project in the community. But it's oftentimes very fractured and the dues oftentimes come with a voice and, you know, some of those things that oftentimes, but, or you could just pay your dues and never show up to anything and still be on the membership role uh, for the, for an organization like that. Uh, so because everybody kind of has the, these preconceived notions about what church membership is just naturally, uh, maybe not so much in the younger generation, but anybody in, you know, their thirties, forties and older. Uh, and, uh, and, and because there's a, cause there's such a prevalent, uh, involvement in our community in social organizations, all of a sudden, there's a lot of baggage that comes in the conversation about church membership. Uh, and I think that maybe that was maybe one of the biggest surprises for me planting in a rural context is that membership would be such an uphill battle (laughs) on a lot of fronts. I thought that people would be like, Oh yeah, you know, like I I'm here, I'm involved and formally committing to something that I'm here and involved in makes sense. right? Right. Uh, but there's some kind of disconnect and a lot of it comes with the baggage um, but we do want to practice, uh, a meaningful approach to membership and that our members actually, there are things that are required of them that they need to be part of the, the gathering of the saints on a Sunday morning, that they need to be active in the life of the church. And if they're not there, they can expect to get a call from a concerned shepherd, one of the elders. Um, that's the that and and so th- those types of things might seem for someone in a rural context with with the baggage that they have like like they might seem a bit invasive like hey we're <laughs> we're ex- there's actually expectation that comes when you yeah. when you put go through the membership process here
0: yeah 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 I, that's super helpful and I, it makes me think about you know there's and you, you touched on it some about different ways you've been encouraging church membership and talking mm-hmm. about it. So what are some of the kind of bullet point ways that you have discipled people there in Jamestown? Um, you know, they're believers and they're coming to the church, but they haven't made the jump to church membership yet. What are some, some of the things that you're doing to disciple people towards, towards church membership?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I think it's just a continual, uh, I think it's continually keeping it in, in front of people. That, that, that's really basic, but I, I think, uh, we, in, in our elder meetings, for instance, like there's just a section on our agenda that has like people we need to be talking to about, about membership, uh, in the sense that I I think sometimes the, the, uh, the objections to membership, they're usually something along the lines of like, well, I'm already here. Why do you, or what are you going to make me do that I'm not already doing, (laughs) uh, Um, or, uh, you know, we have some, we have some fencing around certain things like non-members can't teach, teach they can't in our church. And there are a handful of places where non-members could serve, but they're non-instructive roles. And so when people come to us and they're like, Hey, we want to do X, Y, or Z, um, I, that, that always opens the door. Right, that always opens the door to the conversation. Okay, so like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that you're excited about this, but I want to know why you haven't, uh, why you haven't pursued church membership here. If you feel like you're in enough to want to be serving the church and serving the community through these avenues, then what, what is it about church membership? And sometimes it's just like, well, we just haven't really thought much beyond, you know, there's sort of like the passive approach to when it comes up in the text, when we're preaching, it gets mentioned, right? Uh, or, um, or you know, those sorts of things. Or, hey, we've got a new, if you're new to the church, come to this class after congregational worship on a Sunday morning. Uh, but in those direct conversations, sometimes it's like, well, that that push or that, that little information snippet wasn't enough for me to really mobilize and so sometimes people are like well i just don't see exactly why it's important and i and then i need to be convinced but then sometimes there are actual objections and just just addressing them up front sometimes people are sometimes it's like that privacy component like i just don't want people to well, I was like, well, that's not good. And let me lay out the biblical rationale for why um, being part of a body in membership is, is like, like we're members of one another. Uh, and sometimes people don't make that connection, right, in scripture about the body of Christ metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just skepticism of authority, too. And all these all these areas are like those discipleship areas. Like, how can I address with you uh, the the reality that your skepticism of authority is is like is a spiritual issue? Did God actually say is exactly how the serpent deceived Eve? Right? Did God actually say, "If you'll eat this fruit"? You know, like it's it, that—that's the there's skepticism built into. Does God's word actually require me to be part of a body uh, formally? And the answer, the answer is the answer is yes. In a world that where submission is not necessarily talked about regularly or frequently or understood well, um, that can be a real. So what I'm saying is that the dis- the way that we decide mm-hmm. people through it is just by ferreting out their objections and then addressing them biblically. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: That's it's so good, man. That's so helpful. I, yeah. it, that's essential. It's um, it's kind of a counter catechesis and a catechesis at the same time, teaching and instruction and and going over objections and countering them with scripture. And so, so Caleb, as we get close to, you know, I, I want to get to our final three here in a second, but I'd love for you to give a flyover view um, of what is it, does your membership process entail? Is it a weekend? Is it a two classes, one class, you know, interview, whatever that may be, give us a, you know, like a 60 second, uh, what does the membership process look like for you guys at Buffalo city?
1: So what we've, what we've been doing more recently is a brief post-congregational worship. Hey, you're, you're new here and maybe you're interested in membership, or maybe you just want to learn more about the church, or maybe you just want to meet the elders come downstairs to the fellowship hall after and and meet us. We'll hand you a book on on uh, what it means to be involved in the local church. We'll hand you a packet uh, and a membership packet. Now you go read through that, write down your questions, write down your concerns, uh, and then schedule a time to meet with one of the elders. Uh, that may include a membership interview. It may just be exploratory. Um, we, we've, we've made it a little bit less like step one, step two, step three, uh, and a little bit more like, uh, a little more relational in the way Mm -hmm. that we approach it. Uh, you're, you're not going to be in a class around a table and not feel uncomfortable asking this weird question that you have about polity. So, like I said, it's really just one meet, make sure that you meet the elders and and we're not a, we're not a big church like at uh, sunday morning somewhere between 140 and 150 it's not like you walk in and you're there's we're accessible based on our size our elder team is accessible and they're and it's pretty easy to decipher who we are based on just introductions and things like that so uh meet with them and then get read through a membership packet meet with an elder to as a follow up and then schedule either a membership interview in that in that meeting or at some other time. Um, that that's really the process. That's probably yeah. not very different from most churches who want to practice meaningful membership. But again, we allow it to be uh, a little bit more on our terms. You know, we have some built-in follow-ups. Right? Hey, I gave you a membership packet at the the new due to Buffalo City Church class or meeting. What are you thinking? Right. Yeah, Can I, can I push you that direction a little bit? Like um, what are your objections? What are your concerns? Uh, and just asking those questions directly to people.
0: Yeah. Very good, man. It's, you know, I think every church planner, no matter the context you're in, you need to be thinking through what is our process for meaningful membership? What are we, what are we going to do actually? Mm-hmm. Um, so very helpful, great ideas um, included in there. High relational. I like that, man. Okay. Well, let's let's wrap up today's episode let's land the plane uh, I can't think of any other metaphors for bringing it bringing it to a close but let's finish with the speed round what's a great book you've read recently Caleb that you want to recommend
1: um, yeah good I just uh, I just finished a house for my name by Peter lighthart um, it's just a survey of the Old Testament um, I'm an English major <laughs> that was my undergraduate degree okay. and so it's it's hev- heavily like literary, lots of intertextuality. It's great. I, I, I loved it. It was probably the best survey of the old Testament I've read at least in seminary. So very good. Okay. Yep.
0: Sweet. Okay. How are you finding rest these days?
1: Um, that great question. Uh, so I have six kids. Um, so, yeah, so you get
0: plenty of it. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's right. And daylight savings time and all of those things are, are really working <laughs> for me right now. But, uh, this is maybe future oriented, uh, but I actually have a sabbatical coming up, which I'm excited for. There, There's that component, but then also uh, I've just been more intentional about Sabbath keeping, really, really working to, to limit my activity on Sundays uh, beyond what's required of me in congregational worship um, and just connecting with people. Um, that's actually been really transformative for me. Um, I think you're like, get, I, I always had this mentality, like I'm just going to push through, get caught, get ahead on Sunday evening. And man, I think I was acting in unbelief. Mm. And I think that was really, really disrupting my rest. So,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. that's wise. And I'm I'm sure there's many, many that can relate to that. Hmm. Okay. Final question and always the best one. What's your favorite verse in the scriptures, and why, or, or maybe a verse that's very meaningful yeah. to, to you right now?
1: Yeah, I think the one that came to mind when I saw this question is J- uh, Colossians one twenty-eight and twenty-nine.
0: Um, I guess it's two. Hope that counts. Yeah, that's okay. We'll we'll allow it. Yeah. And this it's, is it's a it's a one thought together for sure.
1: Yeah, this has really really been part of the last couple years in ministry for me. Uh, Paul writes him. We proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we present everyone mature in Christ for this. I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I just always a reminder Mm -hmm. of who's, who's doing the work and yet the call to action, right? Like we're not, we're not, we don't sit back. We push forward, um, recognizing that it's not our strength, but his. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, hallelujah, yeah. Hallelujah! Well, Caleb, thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. I hope you stay nice and warm there in the in the winter months. What's it for you today there in Jamestown?
1: Oh, I don't know. It's not. It's not too bad. Twenty four right now, which is oh, a heat okay. heat wave. We had we yes. three blizzards this month already, though, so it's a little rough.
0: It's a chilly sixty five in Houston right oh, now, Oh, man, which is amazing. It feels wonderful outside, but it's it's raining pollen outside oh, so th- yeah. that's our that is our uh, snowstorm we get pollen on all the place. that's us
1: great well, well
0: thank you brother thank you appreciate it this show was edited and produced by Aaron Logan show prep and research were both done by Olivia Mead and Christy Britton let's keep planting churches worldwide